I'm Phil Pringle, and welcome to the C3 Church Global Podcast. Thanks for joining us today from wherever you are in the world. C3 Church Global is a family of almost 600 churches around the world. And this podcast is all about equipping pastors and leaders to lead healthy, growing, and multiplying churches. We are Christ-centered, Spirit-powered, and Connect-driven. Every week on this podcast, you will find new and uplifting content to strengthen you, equip you, and help you lead others into a relationship with Christ. You'll find a mix of devotionals that build your faith and your relationship with Christ, as well as rich and empowering conversations with leaders and friends in ministry from around the world. We also bring inspiring testimonies and updates from our pastors and churches throughout the C3 movement on the 64 nations that we're present in. Here's this week's podcast. Hey everybody, well, this is exciting. Today we are talking with Paul Cole, the head of Christian Men's Network. Welcome, Paul. Yeah, it's great to be here. This is a fantastic opportunity on our C3 Church Global podcast because uh, we really want to uh, elevate and promote manhood. And uh, Paul is part of our crew right around the world. He's doing Mm -hmm. amazing things. Uh, He's married to Judy and uh, they're really close friends of ours. And... uh, one of the uh, children, Brandon, is running a church in Fort Worth. Just yeah, C three Fort Worth. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. Crushing it. Just bought a. Just got a building. Yeah, that's a good one too. I walked through it. Yeah, you've got nine grandchildren. Nine grandchildren, man. Yeah, guys, kids are busy. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah, you know, faith without works is dead. So we believe in faith and works. <laughs> <laughs> and then, that's for sure. I mean, you're involved in a hundred nations, bringing uh, mm. fatherhood courses, and obviously the CMN Christian Men's Network, and uh, just one of those nations, Brazil. Mm. You got nine thousand connect groups there. Yeah, there's nine nine thousand groups meeting across Brazil. I think that's somewhere around twenty eight hundred churches. So, you know, we just, we just kept our head down, uh, Pastor Phil, and just kind of run with my dad, who uh, you were very close to, uh, wrote a series of books for men, one of them being Maximize Manhood, Strong Men in Tough Times, there's some others. And we took that into a curriculum. He passed away 21 years ago, about five years after he passed away, through your urging, Robert Berger, other friends, we re- kindled the ministry and retractioned it and and are running with it and helping pastors grow churches by growing strong men. You're doing such a fantastic job, and I, I loved your father. Ed Cole mm. was a mentor to me, and mm. uh, as you go through the years, there are certain people who leave an imprint, you know, a thumbprint on your, on your mm-hmm. life, and certainly he did that. And I think he's done it for hundreds of thousands of men, whether directly or indirectly, simply by bringing an emphasis where no one else was at that time. And today, my Lord, it is so needed. So thank you, Paul, for picking up the baton so well and running with it so hard because uh, you've taken it way more than what it ever was before and to see it exploding and all these nations i mean when when we say you're in a hundred nations around the world just that brazil experience is amazing and then there's indonesia yeah indonesia with our mutual friend eddie leo they've taken over one million men through our materials and those are in intensives 
you know, and they actually count. They actually they, they actually count the numbers. <laughs> so when we say over a million, it's actually it's, it's actually, actually over a million. Yeah, it's not just a photo from an airplane. You know, <laughs> right. we've all seen those. And now you now you're going into the, these dangerous countries. Mm, yeah, yeah, we're. Uh, what the Lord put on our heart really strongly was go into areas that are really dangerous for Christians and raise up fathers because fatherlessness is the number one issue in every culture in the world. Right. It's true in Australia, true. in people are probably listening right now in Uganda. Uh, We're listening because we've got churches in all over the world. So pastors, we know that our major counseling issues are usually because of a man. (laughs) Right. Well, the absence of, yeah, or the absence of, yeah. So, which which is a man there because that's an immature man who was who didn't accept responsibility, which is one of the core attributes of a godly man is he accepts responsibility. But men, you know, it's people say, hey, we should you know, we need to go back the way things were. We need to go back, you know, to masculinity. And I'm like, uh, what are you talking about? Are you talking about going way back, like where you walking and you could be eaten by a wild animal? Like what, <laughs> how far are we go back? Are we going, we're we going back to the industrial age and you're working in a coal mine at nine years old. I, I think, you know, or, or the Roman era and they could just kneecap you at any point in time. I think the era in which we live is the greatest time to be alive in history. Hmm. It's, it's, remarkable but the fact is most men don't have a vision for their lives right and a man without a vision for his future will always return to his past wow that's so key what yeah, would so be that's what we're doing yeah what would be the key issues paul for men today yeah i think uh, i think the key issues are you know jesus said this he said love god love people so internal external right so I, I believe that the core issue is the same issue, is that men are dealing with their own internal issue, identity, and the external, which is relationships. And identity uh, is the core to healthy relationships. So love God, love people, it's parallel. And if you will, the identity issue, and I'll give you just a real quick, my take on identity. Identity is the story you tell yourself about yourself. Mm -hmm. And most of us as men are telling ourselves a story that somebody else wrote the lyrics to. Hmm. So what we end up with is this, is this convoluted picture of what a man's supposed to be because we have these urban myths, you know, suck it up. Hey, just be a man. Hey, just be tough. Be this, that. And the fact is what God wants in a man is, is consistency, decisiveness, and strength. And that comes out of character and courage. Hmm. And I'll take you to Isaiah 3. Can we just just go? Yeah. Can we use the Bible? Do you use yeah, the Bible? Absolutely. Yeah, the Please Bible, do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, so, I, I thought it was an interesting <laughs> thing. You just said what God wants in a man. And if we start from that point of view, we're, we're starting with the best perspective on how, how to actually approach this. What does God want in my identity how does he see me and and once that's in our thinking there you go we we've rather than what's what's my wife want me to be as a man or what's my own father want me to be as a man what do my kids want if we start with what is god looking for yeah because we have to start there because we have to base our life on truth and truth isn't is an abstract concept it's not a philosophy truth is a person 
Mm-hmm. So if we start there and we say, okay, character and courage, Isaiah chapter three, verses one and two. So now this is God correcting Israel, right? It, trying mm-hmm. to bring him back in the line, which is essentially, you know, what they, with the story of the whole first covenant, right? Right. You know, trying to, and it basically shows us how God loves us because all, all uh, correction comes out of love. True correction comes out of love. So uh, God says, okay, here's verse one, chapter three, Isaiah says, uh, okay, I'm going to pull from you your security, your bread, and your water. Well, that's a picture of his presence, right? Security, the security of the Father, right. bread, son, and uh, Holy Spirit. So now he says, I'm going to pull my presence. And then he says, there's two people that I will take out of your culture. And when I take these people out of the culture, your culture will begin to topple over. It's it's the two bricks at the bottom of a wall. And, and when you take those two bricks out, the wall begins to tip over. He said, I'll take from you your hero and your warrior. Hero and a warrior. Every great culture is built on the character of its heroes and the courage of its warriors. Character right. and courage. So uh, true of every great culture, true of every great family, and true of every great church. So character is actually the measurement of my commitment to truth. That's my character. Right. So, so now my, the outworking of that would be courage. So the outworking, the manifestation of inner character is courage, which is embracing my destiny. So it's, it's simple things like keeping your word. Your word is your bond. Uh, you keep your word to your wife, keep your word to your children, keep your word at work. When you become a man who keeps his word, people know you have character, right? Exactly. So then it's accepting responsibility. You accept, I mean, that's the core issue of the garden was hmm. who ex- Adam didn't accept responsibility. He goes, Hey, 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 it wasn't me. <laughs> it was that woman you gave me. The things haven't changed much, have they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, things haven't, exactly. We're the, we are so the same. And I mean, and the Aussies, uh, the Aussies have the, the best phrase, you know, for the denial of acceptance of responsibility, which is uh, raise a pint and say, hey, she'll be right. <laughs> <laughs> she'll be right. It's like, yeah, yeah. screw so, it. So there's uh, like this one image of what a man is mm. that, Guys have in their in their thinking, and it—I mean, there's several images in the world today. But the the rough and tumble guy yeah. who never talks intimately or anything yeah. like that, and and then there's the other guy who's overly sensitive and uh, yeah, yeah. getting in touch with his feminine side, sort of thing. And so, yeah, there's there's these. The trouble is with this identity question mark. Mm. We have the higher suicide rate. I mean, in Australia, 3,000 people take their lives Mm. every year on average, and 2,500 of them are men. And so men are in trouble. And and of the the majority of those are younger men and not guys just starting out with – with with their whole life and and their purpose and identity is obviously – not as strong as it needs to be because they think, well, what's the purpose of living? Yeah, what's the purpose of life? And so you go back to Viktor Frankl and you go back to you know, Ecclesiastes. And the fact is, what's, uh, what's the role of a man? The role of a man is to actually become 
one who glorifies God. Right. So it's, uh, so let's just stay on the, cause I'm on the, I mean, I, I love, uh, women, you know, it's yeah. never been. <laughs> so, one uh, woman. <laughs> yeah. I love one woman, one woman. <laughs> I love woman entity, you know, yes. in general. Yeah. I think it's awesome. Great. I think it's fantastic. But, uh, the role of a man is not necessarily courage. L- look at this. Let's go back to courage. Courage, Phil is the courage to admit need. Huh. That takes courage. So if you have character. What a statement. If you're developing character and it's based on truth, you have you then develop in you the courage to admit need. You have to have the courage to fight, to stand up and fight. And so when we talk about these things, what, what happens is we have the, the mistake of transposition is what most psychologists do today when they equate toxic masculinity and traditional masculinity is the same thing. And they're not toxic masculinity. I think we could all agree is something that's negative. Right. And uh, we would, we would be the first to say, Hey, this is not part of who we are, not part of our culture. It's not part of C3. It's not what we model. Right. But we do model traditional masculinity in the sense that, I'm the one who has the courage to stand up and fight. I'm the one who has the character to speak life, Ezekiel 37, to speak life into my culture, my family, to do those things that a man's supposed to do. So when we talk about those things, uh, the fluidity is, I think, frankly, in a place of accepting responsibility, which is the core of maturity. Right. Maturity is the, is the willingness to make the right choice, even when the emotions or context of the moment would cause you to do something else. Right. So if I'm going to be a mature man, I accept responsibility for my actions. And, and it's what I've had to do and still do. Occasionally, I'll just, I'll just, you know, there'll be something pulling on you, you know, or whatever. And you just kind of look at yourself and you go, you know, somebody has to be the adult in this conversation. <laughs> I go, ah, crap, I guess it's going to be me. (laughs) I'm going to have to make the right choice. So I, you know, so that's where we're at, I think, as a culture is that, you know, 70% of all divorces in our Western cultures are initiated by women. And Pastor Phil, I believe it's because she grew up and he didn't. In May 2024, we are gathering in Singapore for the outpouring, our C3 Church Global Conference. I personally want to invite you to join with us in Singapore. We hear the sound of an enormous outpouring of the Holy Spirit for the next season for the church around the world. And you and I will be part of it, pouring our lives out on the altar together in Singapore. Every C3 church around the world will receive fresh fire and be renewed with fresh oil for a new day of increase across the whole earth. Young men and women from around the world being touched by God are seeing visions and declaring the future. This conference is open to the whole C3 family. Bring your pastors, leaders, board members, youth leaders, worship leaders, creative teams, business people, and influencers. This will be a historic breakthrough event. It's time for revival. Head to c3churchglobal.com to register. Yeah, would you definitely the accepting of responsibility is something that you know, it, people all through society want to blame the government, want to blame anybody, but it's certainly because the uncomfortable feeling of guilt or shame is something mm. that nobody wants to accept. But as you say, courage says, okay, I'll, uh, I'll accept that. And it is, it is the basis of the kingdom of God, actually. 
Yeah, it's basically not just to accept responsibility for yourself, mm. but actually accepting responsibility for others' wrongs is another step in that direction. I mean, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray was forgive us our sins. It wasn't, it wasn't forgive me. I mean, that saying forgive me is accepting responsibility for what you've done. Mm. But to even go another step and to say forgive us as a culture, forgive us as a church, forgive us as a family, even when you haven't been in the wrong. And Jesus did that for all of us on the cross. He took mm. – he hadn't done anything wrong, completely innocent, but he took mm. responsibility for other people's Wrongs And for us to get to that point is another level of maturity, I would think. Yeah, well, it's the greatness of, of the life of Christ was he accepted responsibility for things he wasn't even responsible for. <laughs> it's right. the prayer of Nehemiah, you know, in chapter one of Nehemiah, when he prayed and began praying, right. hey, you know, God bless my family. And, I re and then he began to repent. And the repentance of Nehemiah is actually what helped change his identity. Hmm. When he began to repent, you think about David in the cave of Adullam, and, and here's these men that show up who are in debt, depressed, uh, dejected, you know, all the different D, D words, and, and these guys show up. Why was that? Because it was a reflection of his own heart. Right. So you attract to yourself what you put in your heart. So David attracted those guys to himself. Amazing. And then he gets the word from Nathan and he begins to face reality and he begins to pray differently and begins to repent. Nehemiah, his repentance causes identity to change where it became rather than, hey, somebody needs to do something about Jerusalem. Hmm. And all of a sudden later, he's like, by the end of chapter one, he's like, maybe I'm that guy. Yeah. See, Nehemiah was a slave. He's a bartender, right? He's living 1,700 miles from Jerusalem. He doesn't have any money. He doesn't have any position, but you know what he does have? He knows a king. Right. And that's what every man has. Yeah. yeah. And the issue in our culture today, you know, when we really think about these things is, uh, you know, we, we seem to be more uh, so myopic. We're more concerned about the calorie content of our children's lunches than the character <laughs> content of our children's oh, hearts. Oh, that's you're such a preacher. That's such a great, a great line. I bet you've preached that before. I should put that in a book. <laughs> that could be a book. That was, that was amazing. Hey, look, talking about another issue, when you mentioned David, I'm, I'm thinking now, here's a courageous guy. Here's a strong guy. Here's a worshiper, a warrior. Oh, my God. He's all kinds yeah. of things. But then one, one night he's on the roof. He's got 500 wives, for goodness sake. He's a king. <laughs> he's got money. He's got power. One night he's on a roof and he's kind of looking at porn. He looks across yeah, and he sees, he sees yeah. another a gorgeous-looking woman, oh, and yeah. she's having a bath, and maybe she was yeah, doing yeah, it yeah. on purpose on the roof. But anyway, Are out of that comes this or a disaster. We're not going into a description of this. <laughs> yeah, no. But he, uh, it was, it was. I mean, that caused everything to go wrong for him. Just one night yeah. with the wrong woman, and it began by looking. And so, one of the big biggest. Wow. Problems that you uh, are dealing with, I know, and that pastors are having to help men with is porn and porn addiction. Yeah, I think, you know, it's pervasive in our culture. I mean, you know, you think about David. This is an amazing guy when you think about it because he's a, he's a warrior. He's, he's, all the, he's described as one of the greatest men who ever lived, right? 
Right. And, and yet he's got these issues. Uh, I mean, would you want to be a good friend of King David's and have a really hot looking wife? (laughs) (laughs) What a question. Probably Uh, get you killed. So, so, so basically that was the porn thing. So I, I mean, men have always, we've always had these issues. It's not like these are new issues. I mean, I mean, you can get off on it. I mean, why in Deuteronomy and Leviticus did God say it's a sin to have intercourse with an animal? Because men have always been screwed up. I mean, it's like, <laughs> yes. right? There's always right. been issues because issues, we're, right. not, we're not positive by nature. We're not good because we were born into a good world. We're negative by nature, which is a process of conversion. So the issue with porn isn't just the looking. It wasn't just the look. It's not just looking at something, you know, two-dimensional on your computer. It's what it does to your heart because your hands will end up doing what you put in your heart. Hmm. Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart because from your heart comes your life. Jesus said, and I think it was in Matthew 10, he says, he says, hey, the, the mouth speaks from the abundance of the heart. So what you right. put in your heart is what you end up doing with your hands. So right. how many men have you and I talked to who say, I have no idea how I got here. I right. don't know how that happened. Don't know how the marriage broke up. Right. And then you kind of drill back into it and you go, okay, there's father wounds. There's these other issues, but then you also had this porn habit. So what pornography does is actually it, what it did for David is it fogged his thinking. Right. He began to not think straight. So the synapses of all these, you know, the neuroplasticity and all the things that you teach and know about, uh, it, it began to like some, begin to fire off wrongly. And, and right. I don't know. Maybe he was watching her for a week. Maybe this wasn't just like, you know, bang that moment. Maybe it was a, a few days. Hmm. And he's thinking. And then pretty soon the thinking changed. And then it began to, and he goes, eh. <laughs> and uh, this is possible. Yeah. And Romans 12, too, if you want to change the way you live, change your life, change the way you think. Exactly. So his thinking began to change. So that's the issue of pornography. It's not that moment at which the act of masturbation is an act of religious worship. You know, at that mm-hmm. point in time, what's happening is you're, you're changing what's going to happen two days from now. Right. You're beginning to fog and change and shift some of the thinking patterns you'll have a week from now. Right. So the real issue comes back to John 10, 10. The enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. What's he trying to steal, kill, and destroy? Your dreams. Right. Your dreams, the way you think, your, your decision-making, right? Because all decisions come out of your heart, comes out of your identity. Identity, all behavior follows belief. Yeah. So every decision you make comes out of your identity. Absolutely. So now the enemy is trying to fog your identity. He is. That's, that's why Paul says, cast down imaginations that are against God. Totally. Because totally. if you're doing it in your head, you're going to end up doing it in your body eventually. You go where your brain is and, uh, and you just follow your thoughts. So it is, it is important to not do a bunch of things. I mean, Psalm 1 talks about the blessed man. And it mm. says, blessed is the man who does not. Sit in the seat of the scornful. It, it, it begins with what you don't do. And, so good. Uh, and, and the Ten Commandments are more about what you know you shall not 
you shall not, you shall not. Yeah. And I've heard that kind of mocked as though it's a negative thing. Uh, you know, I'm all, all for what we can do and what we should do. But there's a whole range of things in this world that we have boundaries, personal yeah. boundaries. We say, I don't go there. And they those personal boundaries in the inside your computer and inside on the internet and in your devices have be, have become so important to have your have a because it's so easily accessed for kids. Well, that's and, where that's where character that inner yeah. thing says. Okay, and, and here's the way I've styled it for me and and helped a few guys with, which is. Which is, hey, right now, like there's this reality moment. Right now, the enemy's trying to take me out. Right now, the enemy's trying to drive a wedge between me and my wife. Because now, you know, it's, you know, if you're, we've got a, a great friend, Nancy Houston, who teaches uh, sexual therapy and trauma uh, relief and healing. And uh, one of the things she talks about for men and women when they're having their time of intimacy as a married couple is to keep your eyes open. To actually take that eye gate and look at each other or, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and be able to just, uh, just connect sure. at that moment because that actually is a photograph that your mind carries now right. forward with you that protects you. So, you good. know, from those moments of temptation. And if we say, I mean, if a guy tells me, yeah, I don't know, I don't get tempted in that stuff, I'm like, yeah, well, you're also a liar. <laughs> you know, just yes. we're all tempted. Yeah. We're all tempted. Remember that whole deal? Uh, it was James Dobson who said, uh, he's talking about raising sons. And he said, if a young man says he doesn't masturbate, uh, he's actually lying. <laughs> so, so the fact is, is that we have to deal with these things as reality as parents. Yes. Right. So as a father. So it becomes now the things you do become stronger so that the negative actually takes care of itself. So here's what I do. I love God with all my right, heart. Right. I love my wife. I, I do these forward-moving things that then take me out of those places of negativity. Yeah, totally. Haven't, I mean, boundaries have never been more important. And they define you. If you're able yeah. to do anything at all in life, then you can, you can be anything and you get lost in that breadth of identities and and the the issue of identity is such such a big thing for men it's, i mean when you look at jacob in the bible at mm. 80 years old he's still wrestling with an identity issue <laughs> yeah. i mean he lied about who he was to his yeah. own father so yeah. that he could get an advantage over wow. his brother and 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 so then he said, I'm Esau, when he was actually Jacob. And because he said that, he got blessing. He got an advantage. But then 80 years later, he's wrestling with God. And God asked him this question. Of all the questions God could ask him, Paul, he says, what's your name? Mm. And he's, he, goes, oh. wow. he goes, okay, I'm Jacob. And he'd been living in this fake identity yeah. for 80 years, for all his life. But now he comes to his true self. He says, this is who I am. And when, and then, then he got his destiny. He said, no, you won't be called that anymore. You'll be called Israel. Yeah. So I think for, for guys to understand, to see themselves like just as God has made them, holy, pure, strong, courageous, yeah. rather than feeling unclean and guilty and shamed 
about themselves, to think of themselves as courageous, strong mm. men is going to help them immensely with creating those boundaries. Yeah, it's going to help them. And I think that that's where relationships and brotherhood comes in, Phil, is because I find myself in that, in that iron so sharpens iron place with other exactly. men. Sitting around a campfire, or I remember the the men's deal we did at Oxford Falls when they they, they, they built the bonfire yes. and they couldn't yes. get it going, so they somebody put gasoline on it. <laughs> Boom! Remember that and the thing blew up. I do but remember you know that what? night because you preached yeah. and it was such yeah, a good yeah. minute. Yeah, yeah, and and, and you were uh, you just come off that motorcycle wreck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. at a, my leg was all braced up. Yeah. So here's the deal. So. So to me, that's that company of brothers. That's right. that powerful thing that Jesus built with his men. So when we talk about discipleship or discipling men, there is a place where we as pastors and leaders, we have to sit around the campfire and we have to be authentic and we have to be real. And I'll give you one quick example on this. Uh, and it's the life of Gideon, because we all talk about being a Gideon, being having Gideon generation. But when Gideon's about 15 years old, the angel of the Lord, you know, Jesus shows up, right? A theophany. And he says, uh, mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, no, that's not who I am. Now he's 15. Phil, who yeah. told him he wasn't that? He right. says, here's who I am. I'm the smallest. I'm the least. I'm in the worst tribe. I'm in, this is a nation already living in fear and hiding in caves. Who told him that? Right. Somebody else told him that, and he lived with that. Now watch this. Going forward. It says that he, he uh, later he built this monument to God in the village in which he grew up. This is after 50 years of prosperity. So he builds this monument to God, you know, the, the thing, the deal the priests wear. And uh, it says it became a snare to him. Why? Because he went back to the village he had grown up in 50 years later to tell Amazing. him, hey, look who I am. <laughs> you, you you thought I was nothing? You thought I was yeah. a wimp? You thought I was this, yeah. that? No, here's who I am. And then you forward from that, chapter 8, it says the day he died, the kingdom, Israel, after 56 years of prosperity, went immediately back to Baal. It says immediately, it says, as soon as Gideon died. Wow. And two verses before that, Phil, it says he had 70 sons. Yeah. Now, here's the issue. The failure of Gideon's life is not one of those sons stood up Amazing. and said, this is not who we are. Amazing. This is not our identity. This is not what my dad taught me. And the failure of Gideon's life is he didn't disciple his sons. Right. Well, let's, let's talk about that for a minute. This, this is such a huge subject, Paul. We've got to do another podcast sometime because uh, we'll, we'll, call, we'll close up soon, but I'd love to keep talking all these things but bef before we do let's let's just discuss fatherhood for mm. a moment fatherhood and sonship i mean I, th I think sons help fathers to be good sons can help fathers be better but obviously its origins is in fathers mm. making sure that they are investing in their sons the biggest gap i see is the <clears throat> the lack of emotional bonding between mm. fathers and sons, and it's, it's like there's a hole and you've got young men reaching out for fathers in all sorts of other areas. But tell us, I mean, I know that you've got a, a global initiative on fatherhood. The, I think it's mm. called the Fatherhood. Yeah, the Global Fatherhood Initiative. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and tell us a bit about that. 
You know, well, the, the whole thing is fatherlessness is the leading indicator of poverty in every culture of the world. Wow. So when we talk about the issues in culture, you can track them all back to that. Right. Here's, here's my thing when you talk about fathers and sons, Phil, is that I, I believe the role of a good father is not to raise a great son, but to raise another good father. Huh. That, that legacy is not what you do in life. That's history. Mm-hmm. Legacy is what you put into motion. Hmm. So when we talk about, I, I just tell you a couple things for as far as fathers, and now it's being proven. Harvard, Harvard came out with a study on on uh, fatherhood. University of Pennsylvania on uh, on fathers and daughters, and how even the holding of a of a young girl in the father's arms causes her greater safety when she comes into her sexuality. And in fact, what they've medically proven is. Uh, a young lady will come into her sexuality 18 months later than the average in her culture because Hmm. of the love of a father. So now there's another place where the love of a father is protection. Hmm. So guys ask me all the time, what should I do as a dad? Well, the number one thing that a father does with his sons is wrestle. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, it's just, it sounds simple. You wrestle because they learn boundaries. No, you don't hit dad there. Uh, You learn you learn, uh, uh, you know, you're close. There's, there's intimacy. There's these things. And then it's in those moments that a father can impart who he is. Hmm. Because it's the impartation of it. That's how we become followers. Of, that's how we grow in Christ is the incarnation of Christ. Right. It's that, it's that Christ in me. So now a father in his son, in his daughter is because of closeness and intimacy. And that closeness and intimacy, and, and that's where it takes courage because you have to let your children live your life, mm. uh, see you live your life. You yeah. have to let them see you, you know, kids, dad made a mistake. Yeah. I made a mistake. We were going to go do this on this vacation. I, I messed up. I didn't provide, you know, whatever. And so now we're going to do something different and you, you own it, but you're real. And they see that and they see the way you handle I'll tell you one of the, one of the things that we don't think of as men is is uh, children see the way you talk to their mother, right? And I don't know; it doesn't matter if you're married or if you're separated. How you talk to that woman, that's the mother of your children, is going to be the reflection, particularly for your son, of how he's going to treat her. Right. So your words create the atmosphere and create the world. For that relationship. Yeah, that watching. So I think being present, being real. Yeah. You know, I mean, hey, I don't need to tell somebody they need to take their kid fishing or go to a park or whatever. <laughs> right? we, we all know that stuff. Yeah. But the fact is the impartation of a man's heart is what forms the center of who a child is. So good. One of the best ways to love your children is love your wife. Yeah, there you go. Hey, uh, this has been awesome, Paul, and I will. Let's let's do another one. But before we sign off, uh, if if a pastor listening to this wanted to get you to come speak in his men's group, or if people want to access your materials, where do they go? It's uh, Christian Men's Network. So that's cmn dot men, cmn dot men, right. Christian Men's Network, cmn dot men, and we got tools and resources and launch kits to get a ministry to men going in your own local church. You know, uh, 
we are we're church people. You and I we're pastors, we're church planters, and I believe the the local church is the hope of the world. So what we do as a ministry to men is not an adjunct parachurch. We are a servant to the church. And my desire and our desire is to see churches grow. And Fantastic. every time there's a ministry to men, the church grows financially, yeah. salvations, health, and, and it also lowers the counseling rate of what the pastor has to do. So it's a big deal. <laughs> That's sensational. I love that. I would not just you know, suggest, I'd urge pastors to mm. really concentrate, as Paul is saying, on men and raising men and guiding them into sonship to God and fatherhood to their family. And, uh, and I think that uh, you are only going to be blessed by raising strong men in your church and the figures and the stats bear it out. Thanks, Paul, for being with us today. Look forward to yeah, chatting it. again soon. Love you and Chris. Yeah, bless yeah. you, man. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. Check out more content on the C3 Church Global Instagram and YouTube page. C3 is a movement of many hundreds of churches around the world, Christ-centered, Spirit-powered, and connect-driven. So wherever you are around the world, I encourage you to find a C3 church near you. See you again soon.